0: Well, it's our last large group of the semester. And uh, all semester long, we've been asking this question, what does it mean for us to be a salt and light uh, in this world of ours? What does it mean for us to be uh, in the world but not of it? What does it mean for us to be a counterculture for the common good? Or as we put it, what does it mean for us to be different, for goodness sake? Uh, Our search for some answers took us to Babylon U um, and the courts of Nebuchadnezzar, where we spent some time with Daniel and his friends Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. Our journey also took us to the harem of Hesuerus, uh, uh, where Esther the sex slave became Esther the queen, a victim of injustice, becoming a force for justice, and her here and now. And in our last large group of the semester, I want to look at uh, the Gospel of John, the passage that you've got before you. Uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, which I'll go ahead and, and read now. Okay, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for bringing us together week in and week out this semester to attend to your word. Um, Thank you for the Gospel of John. Um, Thank You for the Word that has been preserved for us in it. And I pray now by Your Spirit that You would help us to understand it uh, and that You would apply it to our hearts. Um, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for doing that. There really are three points that arise out of this text tonight. Uh, And it's it's these points uh, that I want to summarize our semester with uh, and also send you off uh, into the summer with. And those three points are get lit, get going, and stay in touch. All right? Get lit, get going, stay in touch. First, get lit. I don't mean in the popular groovy, UV sense of the phrase. All right? I mean it in the gospel sense. Okay, John begins his gospel the same way that the book of Genesis begins, with these words, in the beginning. Okay, this is not an accident. John knows what he's doing, right? He is deliberately taking us back to the beginning of the Bible, and he's taking us to the beginning of creation, when God spoke the universe into existence. This is where your story, and my story, and the Jesus story begins. In the beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Okay, in the beginning, God made a good and beautiful world. Everything was in its right place, doing what God designed it to do and that everything includes us human beings as well. Okay, the Bible tells us that human beings were and still are made in the image of God for the sake of imaging God. And there is a lot that we could say about this, but at its most basic understanding, being made in the image of God means that we were made to reflect God's goodness and love and care to the rest of the world around us. Okay, that is what it means to be a human being, and that is what we are here for. We can zoom out for just a second here. I want you uh, to try to call to mind as many animals or as many creatures as you can. Just think, what are some animals, if you were to go to a zoo, what, what are some animals you might see there? Go for a walk in the woods, what animals do you see? Now I want you to consider this, Okay. Of all the creatures that you just thought up, we are the only ones that care for creatures who are radically different from us. The only ones. Okay, a lion, for example, knows how to care for its cub. A seal knows how to care for its pup. An eagle knows how to care for its eaglet. But you will never see a lion care for a seal, and you will never see a seal care for an eagle. This is not so with humans. Humans don't just care for their own kind. Okay? We see that plenty in the natural world, creatures caring for their kind. But human beings, are of all the creatures on the earth, we are the only ones with the power to love and to care for something radically other than ourselves. Caring for humans plus lions, plus seals, plus eagles, and so on and so forth. Okay, there's something tremendously godlike in that. and this is a small part of what it means to be made in God's image, caring for something, for someone who is radically different from us. And this was good. In the beginning, it was good, but something happened. Okay, instead of living in a face-to-face relationship with God, mirroring and reflecting. You know his goodness uh, to the world around us, to lions and seals and eagles and whatnot. Instead of living in that face-to-face relationship, where a watching world could see us and say, "I see God in you," right? We turn our backs on him. This is not simply something that our ancestors did. This is something we have all done uh, as well. We've all tried to live life on our own terms according to our own rules, for our own good, and our own glory. And I hardly need to tell you that this is not working. The brokenness of the world out there, as well as the pain that you feel uh, and experience in here, proves that it's not working. You know this experientially. You know that this turning away from God and this turning in on yourself, this bent of life that we can simply call sin, has darkened God's good world and has corrupted the human race. Life on planet Earth is now not the way it's supposed to be. But here comes the good news. Even though we broke it, God is willing to buy. Even though we ran away, God is a good shepherd who knows how to go after lost sheep. Even though we darkened God's good world with our rebellion, God's light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is how John's gospel begins it starts with God and his creation, it alludes to our fall. And it bends our ears to hear the story of a God who loves the things that he has made. So much so that he is willing to enter into the darkness, enter into the slums, and eventually enter into a tomb in order to save it and them and us. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And Jesus said, I am the true light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He says that in the Gospel of John, chapter eight, Jesus entered into a world of darkness. You can think of it as entering into a world full of candles, whose flame had been snuffed out. Those candles being you and me. Jesus came to light us up again. He came so we could get lit. Want to think more accurately, re lit. This would not be possible if God did not take the initiative and enter in. If God did not take the initiative and enter in, this, we would not be talking about us being salt and light. It just wouldn't have happened. Okay? But he did enter in. Right? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. And this fact of, of God entering in, it changes everything. Because of Jesus, you can be salt and light in this dark and corrupted world. Your being salt and light begins when you receive and believe in his name. It begins when you get lit. When you get close to Jesus. When you lean into him. When your snuffed out candle touches his. When your snuffed out candle gets relit by the light of the world get lit. All right, that is step number one to you being salted. Step number two, get going. Get going. Salvation in the Bible is not, Jesus forgives your sins, now sit tight and wait for heaven. Okay, that is not salvation. That's not how it's presented in the Bible. Salvation is not less than the forgiveness of our sins. It's not less than that. But it's much greater, much better than thanks to Jesus, our sins are forgiven and we are reconciled to God. And that's good news, right? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Your guilt is gone. Hallelujah. But God is not just in the business of saving human beings. God is in the business of saving the world. And Behold, Jesus says, I'm making all things new. And he doesn't say, I'm making all new things. He says, I'm making all things new. In other words, I'm renewing everything. Everything broken by the fall, Jesus wants to heal. At Christmas time, we sing a song called Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. He's come to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found everywhere that bears the mark of sin, Jesus is like, I want to heal that. I'm making all things new. Now, remarkably, this work of renewal both includes us and it involves us. We are saved, it includes us, and we are part of the saving process. It involves us. As Aslan puts it in the Chronicles of Narnia, Adam's race has done the harm. Adam's race shall help to heal it. And it is true that we broke the world, and it is true that God, in a sense, bought it. We broke it, he bought it. God paid the price. He paid the price in blood. He paid the price for our sins on a cross, right, taking the punishment our sins deserve in our place. We broke it, he bought it. But just because we broke it and he bought it does not mean that there is nothing left for him or for us to do. God's saving work includes us, but it involves us as well. Think back to this world filled of snuffed out candles. The point of getting lit is not to light some candles, but then hide them under a basket. The point is not to make a bunch of salt, but then keep it contained in a salt shaker on some holy shelf. God wants to save you, and God wants to save through you. He wants to spread you out. He wants to send you out. Out into the midst of a dark and corrupted world, In order that you might be his witnesses there. In verses 6 through 8 of John 1, we are introduced to a man named John the Baptist. And we are told that John is not the light, but that he came to bear witness about the light. What does it mean to bear witness? You know, in a courtroom, you'll see prosecutors and defenders. Uh, sometimes call a witness to take the stand, right? That's maybe where you're most familiar with this term of, of bearing witness. Um, but the witness is, is nothing but someone who is there to give evidence for something, to prove something, right? To testify that something is true. Okay, that is the work of a witness, to give evidence for, to prove. Well, when we are sent out into the world, what are we supposed to be bearing witness to? What are we giving evidence for? What are we trying to prove or to show? It's certainly not our own perfection. That's not what we're bearing witness to. If you want to see perfection, don't don't look at me and don't look in the mirror. Right? Look at Jesus. Now I'm not a perfect person. Uh, But I have a perfect Savior. That's true. What is my life evidence or proves? Um, Personally speaking, it proves that I am prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. That I am prone to leave the God I love. I think we'll sing that actually at the end. I think that's what I saw. But it also proves that I have a good shepherd who goes after me again and again and again. That is what my life testifies to. That's what it proves. It proves that I'm a spiritually poor person, but also that God loves spiritually poor people. It proves that he loves me and saved me and is healing me and saving me still. You know, who I am today is not who I was 5, 10, 15 years ago. And I imagine who I am today is not who I'm going to be 5, 10, 15 years from now, right? In the language that we've somewhat used in our Bible study, I'm learning how to walk. I'm not perfect. I fall and I trip and I make lots of mistakes. But I am learning. Not perfect, but on the way, Right? get lit get going Jesus is sending you out as salt and light to be witnesses of what you have seen in him and to be witnesses to be witnesses of what you've received from him We are meant to witness God's grace in our lives by being gracious to other people loving others even when it is difficult loving others even when they don't deserve it. We witness God's forgiveness by being a forgiving people. We witness God's love for the poor, both the spiritually poor as well as the financially poor. When we eat with outsiders, we invite strangers into our home, and we serve and share meals with people like you all have done at the banquet at one fifty. We witness God's incarnation when we move towards suffering and, and hurting people and not away from it and away from them. We witness God's salvation and the hope of the resurrection when we bring hope and healing to the darkest places on this planet and the saddest of people. We witness God's love for humanity and his concern for justice and freedom when. Like Gary Haugen, we free slaves from bondage, prosecute human rights abuser human rights abusers, and provide meaningful work for the under and unemployed. We witness God's love for his creation when we reduce, reuse, and recycle. When we plant gardens, and we, we clean up water, and we treat animals and plant life with dignity and respect. I mean the list of things that we can do to witness God's care Uh, goes on and on and on the point is this there is work to be done God did not light you up to call attention to yourself God lit you up in order that you might share the God given light with others so get lit and get going but finally stay in touch Do y'all know what freediving is? Y'all ever heard of it? Freediving is a form of uh, underwater diving uh, without scuba gear. The diver takes in a deep breath and then dives as deep as he or she can with no uh, tank of air. Um, And I looked this up, I think the the deepest someone has freedove is 700 feet. It's, It's incredible, right? This is what free diving is: going into this water, diving down deep, no air, often holding your breath for minutes and then coming back up. Before this was like a sport, okay, it was a vocation and a way of life. In Greece, right? Um, free divers would often go down deep for sponges. In Japan, women called the Ama would dive deep for oysters and pearls. Free diving can be beautiful, but it can be, as you can imagine, really dangerous, too. The dangers are obvious. Divers are entering into often a dark and deadly place. It's disorienting down there. As you dive deeper, the more pain and pressure you feel in your body. And then of course, there's the whole thing about losing your breath, and drowning. Right? Now there are two ways that you can free dive. You can dive without a rope, or you can dive with one. Without a rope, it is very easy to drift and to get lost and drown. But with a rope, you can dive deeper and safer than you could without. When you feel like you are short of breath, you can simply work your way back up the line to a place of safety, right? And you can catch your breath up there before diving back down again. And this is the paradox tied to something, connected to something, you're actually freer to dive deeper than you could without it. You can see more and you can actually do more, not because you aren't connected to something or someone, but precisely because you are. You see the, the paradox in that? Being tied to or connected to something actually makes you freer when you free dive. You can go deeper, you can see more, and you can accomplish more because of the rope that you were joined to. Well, you can anticipate where I'm going with this, can't you, right? Jesus is sending you out into a world that is not too different from the watery chaos that's the ocean. No doubt it is beautiful, but is also dark and sometimes scary. It's dangerous and disorienting, and it's full of pressures too get lit get going but stay in touch as you are sent out into this world this dark disorienting dangerous world you are not sent out as autonomous men and women you are sent out bound to Jesus tied to him united to him. So when you get freaked out or a little short of breath, a little disoriented, follow the road back to your place of safety. Whether you are leaving UVM for the first time and going on summer vacation, or you are leaving UVM for the fourth time, and being sent out of here as a graduating college student, stay in touch. Stay in touch with us. Stay in touch with your friends that you've made here. But most importantly, stay in touch with Jesus. You have a lifeline. You are not alone. So get lit. Get going. Stay in touch. All right. Let's pray.